Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail, where mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I'm your host, Gary Ware. And today on the show, we have Seth Perler of SethPerler.com. Welcome to the show, Seth. Thanks, Gary. Good to see you. Awesome. And it wouldn't be a Breakthrough Cocktail podcast without discussing what you're drinking. So what are you drinking today, Seth? Uh, I am drinking good old water, my favorite, honestly. Well, coconut water, but this is where I'm at today. Yeah. And you know what? I am the same. I'm drinking water. I'm trying to stay hydrated. It so happens it, it's in a little owl cup. but it's, wise owl. Yeah, exactly. But it's still water. So cheers and um, let's get started. Cheers. Right on. Awesome. So, Seth, before we jump into your story and, and talk about your journey and how you got to where you are today, just give our listeners um, a quick uh, snapshot on what you are currently doing. Sure. Well, first of all, I want to thank you, Gary, and tell you that you're doing awesome stuff. I met Gary at World Domination Summit this year at some party with a guy named Chris Ducker and Pat Flynn, and all these interesting people were there. And um, met Gary, and we started chatting, and um, it's just been really cool to watch Gary grow his podcast, and he's doing good stuff for the world. So thank you, Gary. I really genuinely appreciate you. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool stuff that you're doing. So where I'm at right now, I am an education coach. So that's what I'm doing currently. And what what that means is that I work with families and students, and I work with specifically with outside-the-box students that are struggling in some way, shape, or form in school. So these are often students that might have some diagnosis of ADHD, oftentimes dyslexia, Asperger's, or what have you. They often have sensory issues of some sort but there may not be any diagnosis at all. What they all have in common is that they're all struggling in school in some way. So I do work with elementary through graduate school students. In coaching them, I, I often work with the parents and the students because especially if they're middle school or high school students to help figure out what's going on. So, yeah. And the idea of what I'm doing with educational coaching is to create what's called the turnaround. So that is where a student is struggling and we start getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, if you imagine on a, a line graph. And we're looking for this hook point here. And this hook point is a place where the student is getting a little better, they're getting a little more independent, a little more independent. And at the hook point, that's where they momentum really takes off and they're really becoming in, in control of their own educational destiny, so to speak. They're really able to navigate the educational waters pretty independently and that's what we're looking for through this process awesome it's almost like a, a breakthrough moment would you would you say i i would say it is it's like an extended breakthrough moment and it's a series of um baby steps and what i would call like micro successes that are really key and i don't use that word in my business or anything <laughs> yeah. but that's what it is giving them micro successes because that's what builds them up to get to the point where they're really able to where everything's able to gel and they're really able to get the independence that they they need. Awesome. And and we are so grateful to have people like you that are looking out for everyone. And so let's take a jump back. I, I love to hear your journey and, and how you got to you know the point where you decided this is what you want to do. So if you can just take our listeners on a on just a quick uh, journey on on why you wanted to get into this. Okay, sure. Well 
<laughs> it started when I was a kid um, because I was that kid. I struggled in school. I was in my elementary school from kindergarten to eighth grade. I was pretty much the worst student in the class, and I'm not exaggerating. Um, so I was I I wasn't I I just wasn't a good student. I wasn't good at playing the game. I wasn't good at fitting into boxes. No matter how hard I tried, no matter what kind of trouble I got into, it didn't matter. I couldn't fit into that that box. So um, in seventh and eighth grade, they started testing me for learning disabilities, and then I went to high school, did okay for a couple of years, and then I almost failed out of high school. Um, I really had no skills to manage high school, and then I went to college somehow. I got into college actually on probation at Ball State University, um, and I failed out of Ball State University, and then I went to um, sort of the community college for Ohio State University, um, and then I failed out of that college. And at this point, I felt like a complete failure in life. And I knew that if I didn't figure something out, I just, I felt very hopeless and very lost and very much like I couldn't do anything and I didn't have skills to really do anything that I wanted in life. So at that point, I decided that I would try anything and everything that people told me to try to turn my life around and so on and so forth. And in the midst of that whole journey, somehow, as a fluke, I got a job working in Indianapolis with kids. And I'd always been good with kids and worked at summer camps and so on and so forth. But after six months of working at this job, I was driving one day in the car and I realized that I wanted to dedicate my life to serving kids, that it, it was meaningful to me, that it made me happy, that it truly made me happy. So at that point, is this, is this, am I going in too much detail? Yeah, here no, this is good. Stuff? Yeah, let's keep going because I, I feel like so many times people, they go down a path because people tell them to go down the path and they miss that point to really identify on what truly makes them happy. So I'm, I'm glad to see that you acted on that. So, um, so just to help push things along, you, you realize that this was something that truly made you happy. So what did you do at this point? Okay. So literally it was a moment. I'm driving in my car. I remember the moment and I, I just said, this makes me happy and I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. So at that point, I mean, I decided to go back to school, which was really scary for me seeing as I had failed out of two colleges. So I decided I'm going to go back to school. I went to um, a community college and started taking a few classes here and there. And then I ended up going to Indiana University and going into the teaching school. So I go into the teaching school, and of course I'm older than everybody because I had already failed out of two colleges. So there's all, all these people in in my school, and I, I end up um, finishing school. And through some twist of fate, because I worked harder than I ever worked in my life, and I figured out all these systems to manage school. Meanwhile, I was extremely ADD. I still am. So I had to navigate that world, but I had no idea that I was. And so I figured out all these ways to navigate Indiana University, and they literally asked me to speak to represent my graduating class when I graduated at the education school, which was ridiculous that, <laughs> that I transformed my life from this failure to this person who's being asked to represent a graduating class of teachers. 
so um, then I went on, and I'll make this as brief as possible, but I became a teacher, and I, I started my teaching career on the Navajo Indian Reservation, and then moved to Colorado a few years later and taught in Colorado at some different schools. I got a master's degree in gifted and talented education. I just fell in love with, I fell in love with quirky kids. I fell in love with working with students that had unusual brains, probably people who are probably like most of the people that we see at World Domination Summit as kids, typically very creative kids that didn't fit in the box and that struggled with this, the school system. And I happened to be really good with these kids. And after 12 years of teaching and, and being a part of um, these school systems and seeing all the dysfunction and my frustration growing with the dysfunction, I felt like I really wasn't able to serve humanity to the extent that I wanted to. I felt like my job got in the way of my job. So my job teaching got in the way of my job actually teaching because there are so many teachers have a lot, a lot, a lot of responsibilities. And every year teachers are expected to do do more and more and spend more time. And you can really lose yourself in that career. So I started thinking, how can I do this differently? And I really wanted to be uninhibited in how I thought about that. So I started writing in a journal and just writing my ideas of what an ideal career or job would look like and serving students the way that I felt they should be served. So after this 12 years, I left teaching and started this business, this educational coaching business, with the intention of serving students that were really struggling and helping them figure out how to navigate, how to navigate school, ultimately, for the purpose of getting an education so that you can create the life that you want. Because I don't care about grades, I don't care if you're a straight A student, I don't care about any of that stuff. All I care about is, is education truly serving you to give you the skills that you need in order to create the life you want? That is such a powerful statement that you just said there because I feel that people are doing it for the wrong reasons. People are getting education for the wrong reasons. They get an education or they're going to college because their parents tell them to go to college or everyone went to college, you know, before them. But you make a really good point that I don't think a lot of people realize is that you should get an education so that you can live the life that you want and whatever that means for you. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go to college. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What's, who's the guy that did the dirty jobs? Uh, show? Jim, Jim Rowe. Yeah. Jim Rowe. Yeah. He's really big on that. Um, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of gap years. Um, which is when at right after high school, you go and do something completely different, take a year or two and go, go travel or go explore or go get some wacky job or go get 17 different jobs or go try to be an artist, go, fail at a bunch of things, succeeded a bunch of things, explore. Yeah, education. So the word education, the root of the word education means to rear or to raise or to bring up. So if you imagine bringing up your kid, right? Um, to educate should mean to bring them up so that they have what they need to live in this world. So school and education are not synonymous. They're not the same thing. School is the place where education should happen, but it's not necessarily, and it's definitely not 
it and, and I, I don't don't get me wrong school and schools and awesome teachers serve incredible amounts of kids very powerfully it's just that the outside the box kids that that can't figure out how to navigate they really suffer and the worst part about that is they really feel bad about who they are and have no idea how awesome and talented they are and how much potential they have because of that box yeah so to answer your question yeah um college is not is not necessarily the next best step for a lot of kids. One thing that I want to really drill on, because when you were talking about your story, you were saying that you really wanted to, you know, you had this other passion, but your current job got in the way. And I, I really admire your technique and I want to drill into that a little bit more. So you realized that to do what your life's mission was meant that you would need to stop the comfortable, you know, of, of teaching and you started journaling. So can you take us through that process and, and take us through, like, what did you have to do to, you can get to the point where you said, you know what, I'm going to cut this. Sure. I'll be very specific about that. So, um, basically the summer, <laughs> the summer that I, that I left teaching, I, um, I decided I was going to overhaul my entire life. Literally, I decided I was, I had about, I don't know, four months of living expenses, roughly. I sold everything. I sold a collection of guitars. Um, I sold furniture. I sold everything that I could possibly sell on Craigslist. I sold. And I took that summer to really sort of incubate and honor myself and just get away from everything and chill. And I spent a lot of time going through old journals and old boxes and old stuff, downsizing and minimizing my life as much as I possibly could. And I started saying to myself, I really want less stuff and more experiences in my life. And I started, and this is career too, I started saying, and this is very, very key. So I would recommend this to anybody. So I called my journal a vision journal, like a vision board. And any page, I, I put whatever inspired me on any page I wanted. So let's say that I was inspired, and this is actually a very important one. I was inspired to write what it was about teaching and working with students that filled me in my, in my heart on a soul level. So what I found was that what really resonated with me, and I think that this is important for anyone to do because, uh, well, I'll mention why in a minute, but <laughs> I found that what resonated with me was connecting with human beings and helping them grow and beyond their potential, pushing them beyond their comfort zone to the point where they could see what they're made of and where they could grow as human beings and overcome challenges. And that's Part of what really filled me was that part of teaching. That's what did it. It wasn't the grade books. It wasn't seeing kids get straight A's. It wasn't any of that. It was seeing human beings transform who they were as some result of some effort that I made to help them along that journey. So I think in somebody's vision journal that they should, one of their pages should be, what do I love in life? What feels good in life to me? Because we have 24 hours in a day, roughly 16 waking hours. How do you want to feel during those waking hours? So I wanted to feel that sense of fulfillment that I was doing that. Now, any job you have, there are parts of it that you don't like and parts that you like, but I wanted to maximize the amount of time that I spent being able to empower people in that way. So that's sort of how I started to create this. 
So I wrote in the vision journal, who's my ideal client? What do they look like, act like? What do they need? How, what is my relationship with them like? I wanted to feel like I was appreciated by the people, and I do. This is amazing how it's manifested in my life. I do feel appreciated by my clients. Um, and I just, anything that I wanted to put in that vision journal regarding the vision that I wanted in my life, really for quality of life, not for stuff, but for my quality of my daily hours, that's what I put in that journal. And along with that, Gary, I, I made a vision board. And so I've since made a few of these vision boards, and they're extraordinarily powerful. So I cut up magazines. I don't personally cut. I'm too outside the box to use scissors. So I rip out pages, literally. I slap them on with a piece of tape, and I just mash them all together. And I tend to have these different life areas that emerge on this vision board. So one might be health and nutrition and fitness and travel and social and music because I play music or hobbies um, and um, personal relationships and romance and uh, career and all of these different areas start emerging on, and I just let it be what it is. But I, it is unbelievable how many things came true on that all the way down to ridiculous things. Like I put a picture of a, of a man named Shushi Ravi Shankar, who is, um, who leads something called the um, the Art of Living. It's like a meditation-type group that's all over the world. I literally met this man by accident on the streets in Denver, Colorado one day as he was wow. getting out. It was so crazy. Like, the, the probability that that would happen is just nil. So things, is, they're really powerful. So that is something that I did during that summer. So... To recap, I minimized and downsized my entire life. I took care of myself that summer. I did a lot of vision journaling, and I made a vision board. And then I'll tell you one more thing if you want to hear one more yeah. key to this summer. So I have this thing called Indiana Jones theory. So there's this one Indiana Jones. I like theories, and I make up these little theories. Yeah. And um, so I have this one called Indiana Jones theory. And what that is, is that there's this one scene in one of the movies where he's got to walk across this huge um, abyss and there's no bridge there. And he's got to go get the Holy Grail in order to save his father, who's dying on the other yep. side. Go get it, Indy, save me, whatever. And there's the bad guy, right? So he's got to go walk across this thing and there's no bridge there. And he's got to have faith. So he has to take this step into the abyss and hopefully make it. Well, he takes the step. Do you remember this? Yep, I remember movie? exactly, yes. Okay. So he walks in uh, over the abyss, and all of a sudden, the bridge comes up under him. It's kind of like um, jump in the net will catch you type yep. theory. He steps over, and, and the bridge comes up under his feet. And for me, I had no idea what I was doing as an entrepreneur. As a teacher, I did not feel very empowered to be like, oh, Seth, you can go do your own thing, and you'll make it work. So I literally was walking into this abyss. I had no idea what I was doing. I knew I was losing my, like you said, my safety of my regular paycheck and my insurance and benefits. And... So I'm walking into this abyss, and all I did was I kept taking another step. I didn't know if it was the right step or the wrong step. I just knew that I needed to start listening to my gut and try to step. And what I found 
inevitably was that when I took those healthy risks and when I took those steps, I figured it out. Things were put in my path to support me and help me figure out what needed to happen next. So that may sound really woo-woo, and I do live in Boulder, Colorado right now, and that may, people may think that's just sounds, I don't care what you think. This is the fact of my life is that I put my energy forward into the abyss, trusting that something good would happen, and things were presented to me that helped me figure out how to navigate that path to transform my life. And I think that's very important really for any entrepreneur. There's so much uncertainty and we have to become comfortable with that. Yeah. You have to go towards the uncomfortable and you're right. Sometimes I feel when people put, they have the safety net or they have this plan B, they gradually go towards the plan B. But if you say, this is the plan, we are going to sink or swim. That's what it is. Yeah it manifests itself and may not necessarily be what you envisioned in the very beginning, but it's not going to be, you know, uh, something that, that you didn't want to. So yes, I totally get it. So moving forward, this is really good stuff, Seth. Uh, I'm, I'm really inspired just listening to this, uh, but moving forward. So you quit your job and you know, it's that summer where you're just trying to experience things. So let's, let's go through that. What, what are some things that you started doing? Okay. I built websites. I had no idea how to build a, build a website. I came up with a name for the business, um, which was Shine On Educational Solutions. The metaphor of Shine On is really big to me. Um, so I came up with, with the business name. I bought a URL for the first time and um, I started writing content for the website. Um, these are very specific things. I started going to networking things. Now, as a teacher, you don't go to networking things. So I had never been to these things before. I started going, and they were really interesting. And I met amazing people, and I still go to these networks. And actually, that's part of how I got into WDS originally, the World Domination Summit that Gary and I met at. Um, so I started going to these networking things. I started going to tech meetups. I had no idea what they were talking about. And this is in <laughs> Boulder where there's like a ton of like tech people everywhere. It's a hub and I'm going to this giant tech meetup on the CU campus with like 400 people in this room. And I'm watching these little companies talk about what they're doing. And I had no idea what, they're, what language they were even speaking, but it, it blew me away. It, it created great inspiration in my mind. So I think going to things that I didn't even know what they were, just that ability to go out there. I started going to coffee shops and talking to people sitting next to me on their laptops about what they do and just having an open heart and trying to see who people were because these coffee shops are filled with entrepreneurs, you know, and I just started understanding that there's this whole matrix of people who are creating lives that are outside the box that I had no idea even existed. And these people inspired me. I started a little meetup ish type thing at the coffee shop called the slackers club where um, me and just five or six people would try to meet up at, you know, if somebody was going to the coffee shop, we'd post on Facebook, Hey, I'll be there today. And just try to sit together, have fun, have some laughs, work on some stuff, inspire each other, bounce things off of each other. Um, I, I signed up for the world domination summit. Some guy said, Hey, I got this ticket to this thing. Do you want it? I had no idea what it was. 
didn't even care, I said yes. That summer was all about yes, you know? Yep, sure, I'll go to that thing. I don't know what it is, never been to Portland, cool. Um, and more the, and that was so powerful for me, again, in reinforcing the unconventional lives that people have, the potential to create um, any number of things. I worked out, I meditated, I took care of myself, I tried to balance my life. Even though I knew I was poor that summer, I really knew that the energy that I put forth in terms of how I took care of myself was going to carry me into my shift in my life. And if I didn't do that, then I was going to create a life out of balance. And uh, so that was very important to me during that summer as well. So there's a handful of the perfect. Yeah. And it seems like, I, I don't know if you've read the book, Choose Yourself by James Altucher. Change Yourself? Choose Yourself. Choose Yourself. No, yeah. I have not. Really good book. And for the listeners out there, you've heard me talk about this on a number of episodes, but I highly recommend the book. James talks about that a lot of times people who, if you try to please other people, you're going to end up failing because uh, he talked about in his journeys where he was trying to pitch things and he was trying to do whatever he could to please that other person. And sometimes they would just reject it regardless. And he says, there's going to be a percentage of people that are going to like you no matter what. And there's going to be a percentage of people that are going to reject you no matter what. So instead of trying to focus on other people, you need to focus on yourself. And he talks about the four different bodies you know, one is your education, or sorry, your um, your uh, sort of exercise body. You know, that's your nutrition and stuff like that. The other is your spiritual body, um, your intellectual body, and you have to exercise each of these in order to be fulfilled. And and I feel like you were doing all of those things over that summer. Uh, that's interesting. I love that model. I have a model similar to that. And yeah, I think <laughs> I don't know how conscious I was of it at the time, but yeah. That's great. And so to fast forward a little bit more, so you're trying to, you know, make things work. Um, can you just jump right into the business aspect of it? Sure. What were you trying to do? Were you trying to create content first or were you trying to lend clients first? Can you just give us some insights into that? Okay. Yeah. So I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and when I say that I, I'm ADD and I mean, seriously, like I was all over the place and I really, I, what I knew, and I think what one of my strengths is, is that I knew that first and foremost, above anything and everything, was my mission. I wanted to serve. I wanted to help kids transform. That was, that was number one. And, um, but in terms of the business aspect, yeah, as far as creating content and everything like that, it was very random. I would be inspired to write something and I would work on my about me page, or I would work on a blog post, or I would work on, uh, drawings. I draw a lot and I work on models. So I would look at all these different ways that I could create a model. I would design schools. I would design educational programs. I would just do whatever I was, which I have to this day never done. They're sitting in journals somewhere. But um, so I did a lot of, quote, failures, a lot of things that didn't do anything for me, but I feel were very important in building it anyway, just because I had to experiment and try and play and not get too attached. I think a lot of entrepreneurs who don't succeed get very attached and committed to something that's not working and it's very hard for them to let go of that. I just played. I think imagining the journey as play is very important and 
I dedicated myself to enjoying the entire process. I said, what the hell? Like, I'm trying this. Even if it fails, I want to be able to look back and say I enjoyed it. If it succeeds, I want to be able to look back and say I enjoyed it. So I started coming up with business models, which I didn't know what that meant, and trying to think of how coaching would work, making intake sheets, making checklists for things that I look at with kids. And one of the most important things that I think I did during that time, and I'm getting to your question specifically about the business, is I asked myself, what do I do intuitively well? And I really tried to back up and look at myself and imagine myself in the classroom as a teacher working with these students and ask myself, how did I do this? Was there a system? Because intuitively, I knew how to handle these situations with these kids that were struggling, and I just did my thing. I just went ahead and taught, and, and when there was an issue with the student, I dove in and tried to help them. Well, I really looked at, is there a system? Could I break that down? And I, I found that there was a system for me, and I did break that down. So anyhow, I go on, and I start trying to coach. I get a client. I get another client, and this is getting into the nitty-gritty of the business, and that's all I had. And it's December of that year. I think it was 2010, and I have two clients, and I knew that if I did not figure this out, I was done. I didn't know how to magically make them appear, so this is what I did. So I don't, I can't remember who I got this idea from. I think there was a, a guy named Mark, by the way, and I'm, I know that I'm not <laughs> getting to your surface. That's all good. I, this is all good stuff. Okay. Another very, very important thing I did is I, um, I called everybody who I knew who was an entrepreneur of any sort. And I think actually the person who gave me this idea was a therapist in Boulder. And I called these entrepreneurs I knew, a guy who has a tree company, a friend of mine named Aaron, um, and I would say, can I buy you dinner, Aaron? And I would, we would go eat. I would take notes and ask them all about what it's like to be a business owner. And I did this with a bunch of people. Somebody gave me the idea when I had two clients to call a bunch of therapists. So I went in Boulder, and I took this magazine called Nexus and some other Psychotherapist Guild magazine, and I wrote out over 150 names of all these therapists in Boulder. I got on the phone and I said, I, none of them pick up the phone. And I said, hey, my name is Seth. I'm an education coach based in Boulder, Colorado. This is what I do. If you are committed to serving kids, this is what I do. This is my thing. If you're really committed, I want to connect with like-minded people. Let's get coffee called over 150 people and met with about 40 of them. And I met some of the most amazing therapists in Boulder. These incredible people, because I got like-minded people because I asked for it. And people who were committed to kids in some way or another, and a few of them started referring me. And then a few of them started referring to me a lot. And it just opened Pandora's box. There are so many students and families that are suffering needlessly, having trouble navigating the system, and there's nobody that helps people navigate the system in the way that I do because I made up, I made up educational coaching. I, I it took me six months to figure out what to call myself, but I, I, it's something that there aren't really people that do what I do. If there are, there aren't many. And um, so these phone calls were so key. I call 150 people, and I remember I had two clients. 
now all of a sudden things start taking off and it builds and builds and builds. So whatever um, domain people are working in in the entrepreneurial world, I think making real human connections with like-minded people is magic. It's powerful, it's um, real, and you meet people who, are, who care about what you care about and it's mind-blowing to see how many awesome people are doing good work in the world in, in whatever your domain is. This is great stuff, Seth. And one thing, if I can sort of sum up what I heard that you did, I think the biggest thing that you did is you got clarity by understanding your why. And there's a lot of videos out there. Simon Sinek is one of them. It's, you know, start with why. Yeah. By having that why and what's your mission and what are you trying to accomplish it, it really helps guide you. Um, then the next thing I heard that you did is you, you had an intention and you put yourself out there and you connected with people. You know, uh, some people called you back. Some people didn't call you back, but you sought out people that you can learn from and you build, you know, team you. Jason Womack, who I also met at World Domination Summit and had on the podcast earlier, he, he wrote the book, Make Your Best Better. And one of the chapters was creating team you where if you want something, you need to figure out who are the people that you need to surround yourself with that are going to help you, um, you know, get to where you want to be. And you'll be surprised. Most people are nicer um, than we give them credit for. And if you put yeah. yourself out there, they're going to reciprocate. Yeah. And so I think that's great. And then the other thing that you did, and I feel this comes from, uh, I do a lot of improv and this comes from improv as you said, yes. And that is one of the first pillars in improv is to say yes and to things that are going to push you out of your comfort zone that you would maybe say no to. You went to different networking events, but you just said yes. And by saying yes, and the other thing is having fun and playing, you were, uh, it just seems like the path, going back to your Indiana Jones theory, the path just magically appeared. Would you agree? Yes, that's, that's I would say those. that's a great summary. Cool. That's oh, awesome. This is really good stuff. And for the people listening, you know, regardless of what path you're trying to go down, I, I feel these are the fundamentals um, to getting there because I don't think enough people take the time to slow down and and listen to their hearts and listen to their soul and what they're trying to achieve. And then they're just doing things. And then they're probably getting discouraged because they're not feeling fulfilled in their life. And maybe they're making money, maybe they're not making money, but your heart's going to tell you if you're in the right spot. Yeah, I agree. And I like how you said they don't slow down because I had to slow, I had to put on the brakes so hard um, <laughs> and slow down and be able to listen to my gut because when you're not going slow, your mind is just chatter, 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 blah, 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 figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. And you, you can't hear your heart. I believe that the mind is very loud. It's like yelling at you all day long. Dude, do this, do that. This is right. This is right. And like those just chatter. And the heart is always, always speaking, but it's whispering. So it's so quiet and you have to like slow down to hear it. I don't believe it ever lies. Your mind though, it can tell the truth. It can tell a lie. It goes all over the place, but your heart always knows. I think that brings up a really interesting point though, Gary, and that is that um, a, lot of a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck on, I don't know what my passion is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know exactly how to go. Or, and I think that they're looking at it too literally. I think that stepping back to that 
point that I made earlier about what feels really good in your heart in life and what things can help you feel fulfilled in that manner. Because there's so many ways. There were so many ways I could have created my business. Now that I'm an entrepreneur, I know that I could quit this tomorrow and start hundreds of new things. Before yeah. I started this journey a few years ago, I didn't feel like I was, I felt like I always had to be dependent on a job. You know, that I, not that a job is that, but I felt that I had to be dependent. Now I feel like I have freedom to go in so many different directions if I want to. Yeah, because you know what feels good in your heart. And you're right. There's not one way to like fulfill that. And I, I, I agree. People look at it too literally. And, you know, whether they want to be an entrepreneur or they just want to, you know, climb up the um, corporate ladder, they, they look at things too literal. And instead of trying to be unconventional, if, like, for example, if say you're not an entrepreneur, but say you're trying to go after a job and you, your passion, you know, the things that make you feel good is maybe it has to do with um, music, um, but you, you know, don't feel like you can go down the in, uh, music industry. Well, there are so many other ways that you can get that fulfillment without doing the literal. Absolutely. And if you go into the music industry, it's not going to be what you thought it was going to be anyhow. Yeah. Nothing ever. So you really have to be very realistic about what you're diving into. But I think, again, that element of play comes in. You know, if you're not attached to it and you're playing, you're like, cool, I'll check this out for six months, a year, three, you know, then it's a total different mindset than yeah. I have to get a job. I have to, you know, yeah, have to have income, you know. Yeah, exactly. And this is all really good stuff. And I just want to, uh, Seth, if you could just sort of fast forward and sort of jump towards the end. At what point did you feel like, you were hitting your stride and you were really, you know, starting to feel like things were fitting, fitting into place. <sighs> four months, three or four months after that December, I felt like, wow, I can do this. I got it. It took me a year and a half to feel like I was an entrepreneur. I, the word entrepreneur never even popped into my head, but I, I, I am and I was one, but I had no idea that I was. So it took me a year and a half to re even realize that, but it took me about three or four months um, after I started making those 150 phone calls before I was like, wow. You know, people say businesses often take two to five years mm -hmm. to uh, get started up. And I'm not saying that I was getting rich or anything, and I'm not saying that now. I'm happy. Um, <laughs> but to get into a flow where I'm like, I have my life how I want it. I get to do my workouts. I get to have my social time. I get to have family time. I get to have leisure time. I get to have work time. My work is awesome. I don't feel like I'm working. I do feel like I'm working when I'm doing parts of work I hate, like billing. But yeah. other than, um, like, I I have my life. Like, I feel like I'm the captain of my, my ship. So I would say three to four months. But the key, again, was reaching out to real human beings and connecting and asking them for help, being humble, saying, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and then reaching out to the people around the community, the therapists and saying, you know, let's meet, let's connect, let's talk about helping kids. Cool. And then you're open to change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my business, as I was saying, right before we started the call, my business has changed about, I don't know, 50 times since I've seen you in July. So yeah, it, it changes a lot. And that's okay, right? Um, you know what you your passion is and 
and you just go with the flow and yeah, your body will tell you if you're, you're not um, on the right path, but you have to be open to listening. You have to listen. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So this is all awesome stuff. Uh, Seth, are you ready for the lightning round? I am ready. Great. Do it. All right. The first question I had is, Seth, when, we, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian before I knew what that entailed. <laughs> uh, and then what you found out, it had to do with uh, doing more than, you know, just taking care of animals. Uh, did you change your mind, yeah. I take it? I've always been an animal lover and nature lover, so that's what I had wanted to be. Gotcha. You talked about now that you have the life that you live, you can do you know, things that you want to do. Are there any hobbies or things that you like to do for fun? Uh, I still play guitar. I play electric and acoustic guitar. I do photography um, and yoga, rock climbing and mountain biking. Um, pretty much anything outdoors I'm, I'm involved in. And as far as, uh, I will say, as far as music stuff, my favorite genre is blues. I like old gritty blues. Uh, that's great. Um, are you a morning person or a night person? Um, I consider myself a morning person. I'm up usually at like 5.30 every day, and I'm, I'm in bed pretty early. Gotcha. Shamelessly. Yeah. No worries. It's all good. Uh, I, I'm pretty similar. My, my wife says if it's any later than 10 and we're up watching TV, she'll look over and I'll probably be like dozing off. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. You mentioned you know, that sometimes you can be pretty scattered. Do you have any techniques or things that you like to do to stay organized? I, yeah, I love that question. <laughs> um, what I do to be organized? Yeah, organization has been a struggle for me my whole life. And of course, it's much better now. One thing that is tremendous for me in being organized is minimizing, is downsizing, and is really having what I need in life, not having a lot of stuff. Less stuff you have, the easier it is to organize. Um, and I also, I, obviously, I work with this with students all the time. The students that I get struggle with organization, there are some key rules. I could go on for an hour on this topic alone, Gary, but I won't. Um, I believe in having homes for everything. So we label the home for anything important, whether it's school supplies, certain folders or files that you need. Um, for myself, I use um, Task Canvas, Google Task Canvas. I don't know if you've seen that before. Yeah. It's a really simple, useful tool, and I've used all kinds of list-making devices and project management things, but I really like Task Canvas a lot. I use Google Calendar religiously. Mine is color-coded. It's ridiculous. It's got all sorts of coding that I need for everything in my life, um, and I am a list-maker. So, for example, as we were talking, I wrote down a couple of notes on a sticky. I wrote down another note on another pad, and I... <laughs> I make all these lists, and uh, once or twice a week, I go through all my lists and combine them and do the things that are on the list. Um, and then, then I guess the last thing I do is I have big reminders, whether it's a huge piece of paper stuck in the middle of my steering wheel so I don't forget something in the car or whatever. I make sure to, because my brain will forget, so if it's out of sight, out of mind, I keep things in sight that I need to remember. Those are some of my organizational methods. Perfect. What are three things that you take with you everywhere that you go? Oh, boy. Um, I guess uh, my keys, my phone, and my wallet. 
Um, I have a rule of threes when I'm walking out of the door. In my mind, I go keys, phone, wallet. So that's the three things I take with me everywhere I go. Gotcha. Are there any books that you would recommend to our listeners today? Um, books, sure. Um, have you read The War of Art? Uh, yes. That is such a good book. That's a great one. Um, and Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. That's a fantastic book that really explains sort of how to connect with people online. It's old, but it's not outdated in any way. I think those are two of the biggies. Great. Uh, a few more questions and I'll let you go. Uh, do you have any quotes or affirmations that you live your life by? Quotes or affirmations? Yeah. So that's a great question too. So the quote that I chose is, I, I love famous quotes, but it's this one. There's a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation by Herbert Spencer. It's a long quote, but basically the gist of it is, is contempt prior to investigation. You have to investigate. You have to try. You have to not think you know the answers and get too rigid and get too stuck and not take risks and not push yourself out of the comfort zone. You have to investigate, you have to play, you have to dive in, you have to see what you're made of, you have to walk into the abyss. So that, that quote really encompasses that for me. Such a powerful quote. Uh, and, you, and you're right, you have, to, you have to do all of these things if you wanna push forward in life. All right, two more. Next one is, if you can create a soundtrack of your life, what three songs uh, would you definitely include? But I definitely include. Okay. Um, one would be Willin' by Little Feet. Same type of uh, um, idea. Um, just have to be Willin'. Yep. I don't know if you've heard the song. I've it's not heard old, that one, but I'll definitely look it up. Uh, great old song. Um, and probably one would be Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd. The whole Pink Floyd metaphor and the faceless many, the students in the factory. Um, even though the movie's so old, um, I don't know, school yeah. still has a lot of these same issues of trying to fit people into boxes. So that would probably be one. And probably the most important one would be Watching the Wheels by John Lennon. Such, Do you know this one? Yes. Such a powerful song. So this was my mantra that summer. And um, people say I'm crazy doing what I'm doing, you know. So he, this was, I believe, the last song he wrote or the last song that was put out before he was murdered. But uh, he, so he had left the Beatles and he just wanted to be a dad and a husband. That's it. He wanted to like, he found what was really important to him and his quality of life. And he just wanted to do that. And, um, and he, I forget the line. He says something about, um, I'm just in here watching the wheels go, go round and round. Um, no longer riding on the merry-go-round. I just had to let it go. And I couldn't ride on that merry-go-round for me with teaching and for me with working 60 to 70 hours and really losing myself in, in a career that I love. I love the art of teaching. So it's very difficult. But in, in leaving something that I loved, but that was really just, I, I, I was losing myself in it. Um, I just, I had to let it go. I and so that song just really uh, resonated very deeply with me. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to the lyrics. Imagine where John Lennon was in his life when he's making this shift and 
give it a good listen. Great. Last question is, if you can give our audience one tip, one thing that they can do today that will help them find their passion and live an awesome life, what would that be? Okay, I got to break the rules and give you three. That's all good. Three is good. Okay, good. One, make a vision board or a vision journal. Two, start a mastermind group with like-minded people. I didn't mention this at all. My mastermind group is extraordinarily powerful. Start a mastermind group. If you don't know what it is, figure it out. Amazing. And three, and most important, meditate. Learn to meditate. Don't think that meditation means that you don't think. Let yourself think. Try meditating for three minutes even. Okay. So figure out how to meditate. That has transformed my life more than I can tell you. Awesome. And these are all three things that I highly <laughs> recommend and, and I try to do myself. So these are great things. And Seth, thank you for being on the show. And before we let you go, if you could just let our audience know where they can get in touch with you and if there is anything else that you want to talk about, this is uh, your floor to do that. Sure. Um, so you can find me at SethPerler.com, S-E-T-H-P-E-R-L-E-R.com, and go ahead and sign up for my free emails. Every Sunday, I'll send you out a blog, and as I'm building my content, um, you'll be able to see what I'm doing, especially if you have a student that's struggling or if you yourself are an outside-the-box student. I don't care if you're a college student or an elementary student. If you are a student that doesn't fit in the box and you know that your brain works differently, check it out. Um, I really try to give content that is very outside the box, but very useful for you, things that you can do to actually help. Um, so, and I guess that the last thing that I wanted to mention is in terms of, you know, what I do is I serve students who are struggling. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what that means, exactly who they are and what that looks like. Um, so, and I'll close with this, but there are two things that all my students have in common. And one is um, this emotional part, and that is that they're stressed. They often feel like, they often feel like um, they're different or like they don't fit, um, and in a bad way too. So, and they can feel very stressed out in terms of not being able to fit into that proverbial box. Um, and they suffer a lot because of this. And a lot of times the suffering is internal, so it may not be externalized, but people feel like there's something wrong with them. Were you at WDS when Brene Brown was talking, yep. Gary? Mm-hmm. So that, that whole shame factor that she brings up, and they often feel ashamed, like something's wrong with them, and there's not. Um, so... That's one of the two things that they all have in common. The other thing that all my students have in common, all struggling students, pretty much, regardless of what's going on, they tend to have this thing in common. They struggle with executive function issues. And what that means is that in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, the front third of the brain, it's a huge part of your brain. In fact, I know that if you're in podcast world, you can't see this, but if you're in video world, for those of you viewing it on the video part, if you do this, that's uh, a representation of your brain. And these two fingers represent the prefrontal cortex. It's a huge part of the brain. And the tips of your thumbs represent the amygdala, which is the emotional center. So this huge part of your brain, it's what students who are struggling 
struggle with is executive function. And what ex executive function is very misunderstood and miscommunicated. Executive function has to do with anything necessary that you, that any brain function necessary in order to carry out a task, in order to execute a task. Now, the thing is, is that a task could be writing a paper. And a writing, writing a paper seems like one task, but it's a multitude of tasks. Doing your homework seems like one task to an adult who says, do your homework. That might seem like doing a thing. But to a student, it's a multitude of micro tasks that are put together. So in order to execute a task, particularly a task you don't want to do, for example, a video game, which requires a great deal of executive function to execute the task of playing a game, is very enjoyable to a lot of students, right? So that's something that they're willing to do. But when it comes to executing a task you don't want to do or aren't into or that makes you feel bad about yourself or what have you or that you don't feel like you've mastered or you don't feel like you're good at, for example, doing your homework or writing a paper or reading a book that you're not into, in order to execute that, a lot of things need to take place. So you need to be able to prioritize. You need to be able to organize. You need to be able to manage your emotions. You need to be able to override your emotions. You need to be able to pay attention, to focus, to concentrate, to see things in a sequential order. All of these things, and these are things that my students struggle with in time management. So I think one of the best things that I want to leave the audience with, Gary, is that if you are that student, um, learn about executive function. Because when you can understand that this is something that's going on in your brain, your brain is still developing, your brain will continue to develop your prefrontal cortex until you're about 30 years old. You've got plenty of time. And if you direct your learning in a conscious way, an intentional way, where you're able to direct executive function and find systems that work for you and not listen to all of the advice that's given to you by left brain systems, um, then you can find ways that it'll work for you. So learn about executive function. Trust your gut because you often know what you need, but often the left brain system will tell you you need things you don't need. One of the biggest things that I see stu my students that doesn't work for them that they're told to do is three ring binders. My students are not going to manage a million pieces of paper in a three ring binder it's way too many steps and their stuff ends up being all over the place. This is just one example, but like in the left brain, people are very good with three ring binders. They love them. It works for them, right? So, but my right brain struggling students don't. They need a much cleaner, simpler system. They need a system that just keeps it very simple, color coded. And so anyhow, figuring out how your brain works and what's going on with your executive function, researching executive function. I think executive function is the number one thing parents and teachers need to learn about. It needs to become second nature to understand what that actually means in our culture because all these amazing right brain kids who have so much talent often end up not showing who they are, being able to find out how amazing they are. So, and this is, uh, to me, the most important thing to understand in order to figure that out. And that's all I got. Ah, uh, this is such good stuff. And for everyone listening, we'll include links to all the things that we talked about here. Just make sure you jump over to BreakthroughCocktail.com to check it out. And yeah, uh, Seth, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a pleasure to meet you at Word Domination Summit and glad to hear that you're doing good and, and can't wait to keep up with all the rest of the things. 
Thanks, Gary. It's super cool to see you doing this. It's really awesome. I really appreciate the time. This has been a blast. Cool. And for everyone else out there that's listening, thanks and uh, see you next time. Until next time, stay awesome. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome.